Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 80, produced 24 March, 2021. We're all familiar with the old saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Well, in 2020, the coronavirus gave the travel and hospitality industry worldwide, including in Scotland, a veritable orchard of lemon trees. With domestic and international travel shut down almost overnight, those in the travel business faced a very uncertain future. I'm Glenn Moyer, and in Scotland, one then startup bespoke travel company, away from the ordinary, found a way to move in a new direction, away from their personalized travel experiences and toward online cultural exchanges, using first Scotch whiskey and now Scottish gin as a key ingredient in their pandemic-inspired lemonade. In a moment, we'll go away from the ordinary, here under the tartan sky. Are you .scot yet? .scot is the domain for the worldwide community of Scots. It became available to the public in late 2014 and is used by the Scottish Government and Parliament, the National Health Service in Scotland and thousands of other organisations and individuals around the globe. .scot doesn't mind where you live or what kind of Scottish connection you have. If you're Scottish by birth, heritage or affinity, or an association that practices and promotes Scottish arts and culture, or a business with some kind of Scottish connection, then .scot is for you. Best of all, it's easy to sign up to. Simply visit domains.scot, choose your domain name and you're off and running. And by the way, if you're just looking for a wee blether, our email service will help you do that too. .scot, be part of it. As its name implies, Away From The Ordinary is not your ordinary travel agency. Founder Aeneas O'Hara is more tailor than travel agent. Measuring, cutting, stitching, and fitting a travel experience as unique to you as a custom-tailored suit of the finest Scottish Harris tweed. And the experiences offered cover the gamut of all that is Scotland, from private after-hour tours and overnight stays in castles, to hiking, biking, canoeing, or horseback riding across the stunning Scottish landscape. There's bespoke whiskey tastings and private distillery tours. There are trips to ancestral and historical sites, or around a golf or dining at a Michelin-starred restaurant. It's luxury travel with a very personal touch. Raised in western Scotland, O'Hara enjoyed a successful career in financial technology, and while traveling the world, the beauty and magic of Scotland never left him. He returned to found Away from the Ordinary with his wife to sustainably share the wonder and majesty of Scotland with travelers all around the world. Along with Michael McCush as Director of PR and Partnerships North America, Away from the Ordinary was showing great promise after their startup years of 2018 and 19. And then the pandemic hit. Tourism is big business in Scotland, According to insider.co.uk, an estimated 14 million people visit the country annually, and spending by tourists 
accounts for 5% of the national GDP, and the industry accounts for more than 7% of all employment in Scotland. Not surprisingly, tourism and hospitality took a huge downturn when the coronavirus decided to visit and stay, putting Scotland in a year-long lockdown. Like so many other small entrepreneurial businesses, Away From the Ordinary found itself in a fight for survival, needing to find a way to stay in business and weather the storm. A difficult circumstance to overcome, as 70% of their clientele is from the USA. Surprisingly, the company was able to turn from travel to whiskey and map out an unexpected online path to pandemic success. Well, okay, at least pandemic survival. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. But in the beginning, Aeneas says it was like staring into the abyss. 2020 was looking really good for us from a travel point of view. We had lots of enthusiastic people that we'd um, that we'd met in the states or met virtually or um, and so yeah 2020 was going to be our best year uh, we had lots of vacations booked by February for the rest of 2020 um, and we'd even had a couple of people already travel uh, in January um, so yeah, so it was looking really good, <laughs> and then and then I was staring to the abyss and uh, thinking, how long am I going to have to make banana bread for? Because <laughs> <laughs> was the only activity I could see in front of me. Um, but I only had to make banana bread once, so I was very lucky. What portion of your business comes from the USA? Because Michael works with you here in the United States, and I'm curious what the impact on travel was with regard to Americans who were planning to go to Scotland in 2020 and were your clients and obviously suddenly were not. So curious about the perspective from both your point of view being in Scotland, of course, Michael being here in the United States. Yeah, so um, I'll just say very quickly that around 70% of our clients are from the USA. Um, the next biggest country is uh, the UK, southeast of England, around London. And then we've had clients from Latin America, um, southeast Asia, and the EU. And so, Michael, what was the reaction that you found from the American clients when the pandemic began to set in and we realized travel restrictions were going to be in place, et cetera, plans had to be canceled. What was happening on the American side of the business? One of the things that well, both Aeneas and I love about the kind of American culture or the American market, there is a, a continuous, genuine sense of optimism. And I think even within the travel industry at the time, there was this idea that travel was put on hold, it would be a temporary hold, and it, and it would come back. You just need to survive a little bit longer. And, of course, that turned into be a little longer than we, than we had anticipated at the time. I think I went through at least 15 banana breads when Aeneas only had one. But <laughs> there was still this idea that there was a, a hunger for, um, for culture. And if that can't be given through travel, then there was an opening of other ways for us to take a little bit of Scottish culture and hospitality into people's homes. If they can't come to us, then we can definitely bring a little something to them. So although it was definitely not the best of times, it was challenging for us in the U.S. market, there was also a big opportunity there that we saw. 
When the pandemic hit, the popular term is pivot. So many businesses, business owners, particularly in the travel and hospitality industry, found themselves having to pivot. You had to find a new way to do business if you were going to stay in business. And your business, away from the ordinary, all about unique experiences, personalized travel experiences, uh, touring historical sites, outdoor adventures, urban experiences, and so on. How difficult was it and, and how quickly did the light bulb come on to go, oh, aha, you know, when was that moment that you realized this was a business you could translate to an online success, albeit in a slightly different and with a slightly different focus? Yeah, well, it was, you know, I'd like to say it was <laughs> a very clear instantaneous moment. Um, <laughs> I'm the cleverest person in the world, but no, it was... Um, we first wanted to kind of offer reassurance, reassurance to people, uh, because we were all in the same boat. We none of us knew what was going to happen, so we were we were trying to think up ways of bringing Scottish people, uh, bringing Scottish culture to people while people can come to Scotland, and so we, you know, we offered up on social media and via our newsletter that we'd send you a postcard uh, from the highlands of scotland totally free of charge or you could send it to a loved one that you were missing during the pandemic so um, that got a very uh, warm response and yeah we were all just trying to uh, find moments together and then i set up the first uh, the UK went into lockdown, I think it was the 23rd of March last year, so almost uh, a year ago. And on the 2nd of April, I did my first virtual whiskey tasting. I'd been doing them in person since 2017. And this was just a way to uh, raise a, a bit of money for charities linked to um, the doctors and nurses in the UK and to come together with the people that used to come to my in-person tastings and just chat over some whiskey and, um, you know, just, uh, again, reassurance, uh, trying to find a way of sharing a moment with friends when we couldn't meet in person. So that's really how it started. I put I put um, a date every two weeks in the diary for these people up until the end of May, and I thought I was being overly pessimistic by <laughs> putting it in the diary until the end of May 2020. And then people started saying, oh, could you do this for my dad's 50th birthday, or could you do this to entertain my clients because I can't see them in person? And then... Uh, and then Michael and I had been talking about this for a while, and it was an evolution of it, it just came together, but it came together slowly, and then it turned into something. Um, and then Michael, I'll let Michael talk about you know some of the conversations he had around it as well. I want to talk with Michael about that, but I want to make the point that what you did, the pivot that you made, was from very personalized, bespoke touring travel experiences to online whiskey tastings as your primary at that point business offering. And I'm curious, was it just by accident because a whiskey tasting was already a part of your uh, repertoire that that happened and then you, you seized on it and expanded upon it? Or was there a purpose behind using whiskey, which of course is one of Scotland's iconic products as a way to um, to find online success? Well, we wanted it to be Scottish. 
and we wanted to share some a piece of Scotland with people. And that was the primary motivation at first. Um, but um, sending postcards out for free <laughs> turned out not to be the biggest uh, money earner. So um, <laughs> we found something else. Um, it, had to be, it had to be something Scottish that we were sharing. And it had to be convivial. And it had to be fun. Um, and so we, yeah, we were doing the whiskey tastings and it, um, it struck a chord with people and whiskey is about sharing moments. You know, people often ask me, what's the best whiskey you've ever had? And the best whiskey is the whiskey that you have with your friends and you share a moment, um, and, and that friendship and that warmth and that bond, um, then we try to replicate that as much as possible uh, via the virtual tasting. And so, Michael, what was your role in in helping the business to pivot, and particularly in relation to uh, the huge percentage of the clientele that are, in fact, here in the USA? For me, at the time, I was I was honestly feeling very grateful. Obviously, a, a challenging and difficult time, but to be working with someone like Aeneas, who, as you said, was able to pivot and innovate and and was open to to ideas and, and different ways of thinking and to not lose that core idea that we had about the holidays where it wasn't just about someone going on vacation it was a tailored bespoke kind of um, experience that they would be having so when Anais and I were talking about it March all the way through it it was to make sure that we still had this idea of the kind of the warmth and the personalization of the experiences that you would have in the vacation that would be coming through on the whiskey. And so we had, a, we had a lot of conversations, I think mostly because we only had each other to talk to a lot of the time, <laughs> because of course a lot of the world um, was on, was on lockdown. So I was, I was just grateful to have um, someone just so, so open and, 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 uh, really kind of warm to the idea of this isn't the end. There is other things that we can do to make sure that we take um, we, we, we take any opportunities that we present. And then my job was mostly just to get the message out there in the US. So to rely on some past contacts and to, to really go out to media that um, I thought would be a good fit for, for getting um, people in front of, of, of basically what away from the ordinary we're doing. Um, so it was a lot of kind of press pitching, but I think around April and May was it was a nice turning point because we had World Whiskey Day. So of course the U.S. press was hungry um, for for kind of news stories that that focused on on whiskey and and other experiences, which which definitely helped us. Two things I want to follow up on that you mentioned there. One is uh, the mention of World Whiskey Day. I was talking offline with Aeneas, reading an article that was done about your offering for World Whiskey Day a year ago. And we're coming up on that in a couple of months. Uh, it's in May. Could either of you have imagined then, when you were planning an online whiskey tasting for World Whiskey Day, that you may in fact be doing the same thing a full year on? Um, I can no. I can jump in quickly very shortly, because I, I think I know Ines's answer. Uh, but mine, because I think his will be more humble than, than I can see, I think I definitely felt yes because I saw I kind of witnessed the whiskey tastings I saw the kind of the warmth and the uh, the connection that a lot of people felt through 
the the whiskey themselves, the narratives of Scotland and Aeneas as a host. So from the first moment that I saw that the first one going well, I mean, don't get me wrong, the first one was <laughs> nerve wracking, and I generally was was worried to see how it was going to work over Zoom. But seeing that connection kind of come to fruition, um, I was really confident that we would be doing whiskey tastings for as long as we wanted to. From my perspective, uh, I pandemic was going on, and I thought, okay, we will be busy in November and December, um, and we were. Um, that prediction was right. But then I thought, come January, uh, you know, it, it'll just uh, die down. But no, it's uh, it's busier in it than ever. What's funny, actually, Glenn, the change. It has been a very marked change between what people want in uh, 2020 and what people want in 2021. And in 2020, they just wanted a whiskey tasting. And now in 2021, most of the bookings are for a chocolate and whiskey pairing or a cheese and whiskey pairing. So I don't know if that's an evolution of people's people wanting something more or they're more comfortable with having more things happening at a tasting you know they've been on they've been on something in 2020 and now 2021 they want a more evolved um experience i guess so that is just it's uh, it's almost night and day um from from last year to this year in terms of the bookings to follow up on that question, and I understand Michael's point that, that he foresaw the, the online tastings being a success and that they would continue, but I guess where I was going with the question was, could you see then, um, in May of last year, that you'd be doing, still be doing whiskey tastings, I guess, under lockdown with a pandemic ongoing, coming up to World Whiskey Day a full year away? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I think this is the longevity of this pandemic is taken everyone by surprise you know um, and I I think now in the US and the UK there's a lot of optimism because of the rollout program uh, of the vaccines and I think uh, just with spring in the air the days getting longer um, there's a lot of optimism but I no, I think it's just um, an incredible Incredible! It's incredible in every <laughs> every respect, and I still don't know what's going on. But uh, but yeah, we just uh, we just have to uh, look after each other, everyone, and get through it. Michael talked about he could foresee the online whiskey tastings going on because obviously he saw a successful uh, product there. I, I guess what part of my question there would be. Having been in the bespoke travel business and providing the fully tailored experiences that you do, visits to a castle or to a, a tour of a whiskey distillery or a, you know a hike up to the old man of store or whatever it might have been, how do you capture that uniqueness, that Scottishness, that that feeling of of Scotland? In an online whiskey tasting, you said yourself, uh, Aeneas, that they're very, a whiskey tasting is, you know, amongst friends, it's a convivial experience, it's a personal experience, and you're doing this with everybody gathered around a computer screen. (laughs) How convivial can one be? Well, I think uh, the way we do it is convivial from a couple of perspectives. First of all, unless it's a really large group 
we don't ask people to mute and I encourage people to interrupt me um, and ask questions at any point. Um, sometimes I regret that after they've had four whiskeys. <laughs> but, uh, but certainly the questions, they could, there's a, a higher percentage of questions towards the end of the tasting, definitely. But, uh, but it's, it's not about me talking at people about whiskey is definitely a conversation if if you know people are shy then i'll do most of the talking but in all seriousness people open up after two or three whiskeys and then it's more of a conversation also i'm talking about a sense of place so i'm talking about where the whiskey's from and i'll show an image for each distillery so it kind of ties in with the the travel vibe um it's not about me telling people what they're going to taste. I never do that. Um, so it's it's generally uh, we talk about whiskey, we talk about Scotland, and people can ask any question they they want. I like to joke that for the first three whiskies they can only ask about Scotland and whiskey, but after the third whiskey they can answer anything because after three whiskies everyone's <laughs> an expert on everything. So. Um, <laughs> So I had some Google programmers and I said, if you've got any tech issues, just ask them. So after the fourth whiskey, they presented me with a complicated problem. And I said, oh, just uh, have you tried switching it off and on again? <laughs> and that was my solution for them. But uh, but yeah, it's just fun. We I, I, I'm always surprised at how much fun we have on the tastings because it's, it's definitely interactive and, and we encourage people to chat and to share their stories of whiskey and friends and to ask as as many questions as they want. So that's good. So explain to me then, uh, just walk me through the basics of how would one of your whiskey tastings online work? Do I go out and, and, I mean, do you send me a list that tells me these are the whiskeys we're going to taste and I have to go out and buy them? Do you send, you know, little miniature bottles out to everyone who signs up for it? There are fees, I assume, to be paid to participate or something you do perhaps for, say, a, a corporate gathering, a, a, you know, an annual corporate banquet or, or whatever it may be. Um, just walk me through the process of how one of these online whiskey tastings would operate. Yeah, sure. So we start, you know, the, the inquiry comes in, and uh, and we start to talk about what the what the client wants. Um, and generally, people are happy to, you know, for for me to to suggest or choose the whiskies. Um, but sometimes they have requirements like uh, this: uh, this uh, this group doesn't want peated whiskies, or conversely, this group only wants peated whiskies. So uh, in that way, we can we can specialize it if people have requests like that. But generally, um, we just uh, you know have the time in the calendar for a private tasting, and then we will send them out the whiskies in advance and if we um if they want cheese we'll send them the cheese in advance or the chocolates in advance to pair with the whiskies so that will all be sent out in advance and then we will meet on zoom at the allocated time for the tasting um and then we also offer tastings that uh, you can join at an allocated date and it's uh, open to, to the public to an extent, you know, you have to know about us obviously to find out about it. But, um, but with those tastings, we tend to have a different theme. 
So the next theme is whiskey and tunes. So we are pairing whiskey with music. So we will have an evening with the fantastic Glenfinn and Kaylee band. And uh, I will take people through a whiskey and then people can enjoy that whiskey while the Glenfinn and Kaylee band are playing a tune. And then we will uh, repeat the process joyously five times. Have you seen a shift or a change in your clientele, the people who are now booking your whiskey tasting events? Are you seeing return clients, people who traveled with you before now coming to you for these online whiskey events? What effect on your business clientele has has this pivot from personalized travel to online uh, whiskey tastings? What effect has that had on your clientele? Yeah, so certainly we have had clients, uh, Glenn, that have traveled with us that have then done a whiskey tasting with us. Uh, We have had clients that were supposed to travel in 2020 with us that have done whiskey tastings with us. And now we have people that were invited um, to join a whiskey tasting by their company, and they're now booking uh, to travel with us. So we kind of got all the all the different possible scenarios covered. You just talked about finding the right partners to get the whiskeys over to the U.S. I, I've traveled to Scotland. I've purchased whiskey there and had it shipped here to the United States. That's not always an easy thing to do. Michael, is that something perhaps that you've been involved in? And, and how much of a logistical nightmare was that in being able to get Scottish whiskeys here into the United States and then out to your clients? I wish I could take any credit for that whatsoever because it was a heroic effort that took over several months. But um, that was a that was a that was a long process that uh, bless them, Aeneas worked really hard on and uh, managed to find us a a solution that's actually taken us from me successfully all the way through to now and hopefully in the future. Yeah. So so we we partnered with a uh, uh, Glenn. We partnered with a bar. Um, uh, principally because, uh, well, they knew what they were doing. They're an amazing whiskey bar, but uh, they also, it felt good to help them because they were obviously closed during the pandemic. So they were looking um, in terms of, they had a very small online offering to ship whiskey to clients, but, um, but it felt good to help them during the pandemic when they can welcome people into their doors. Um, to use them as our main supplier for sending out the whiskies, and as an evolution of that partnership, they're definitely a partner and not a supplier. Is that um, we're now launching next month? We're launching gin tastings that Michael's going to lead, and uh, they have helped us put together and. Um, this amazing gin, Scottish gin tasting pack. So they, it's, it's people I didn't know before the pandemic, and now we're we're working very closely together. So that's a that's another good story, I guess. Do you risk in any way potentially losing some clientele? Uh, I mean, not everyone loves whiskey. You know, I can't explain it. I you know don't understand those people, but there are those people out there. So. Uh, 
Are you doing other things to retain those people who were uh, clients and hopefully will be clients either again or will be future clients if they've not used you prior to keep the the mystique of the bespoke travel part of your business alive, even though we can't travel at this point in time? What are you doing to address that part of your business and your clientele? Yeah, so I would argue, no, I wouldn't argue, but I would say that uh, that we get a lot of people on the tastings because they've been invited by their company or they're a client of a company and they've been invited. And a lot of them start with, um, I, you know, I don't like whiskey or um, but then during the tasting, they're like, wow, I really like this one. It's, um, you know, and then they're asking me where they can buy a bottle in the US after the tasting. So a lot of people have tried one or two whiskeys. Um, but with Scottish whiskey, there's so many distinct different styles and flavors that sometimes if you have a tasting with five very distinct styles, then you actually find one you like. But anyway, that's my whiskey sales pitch over, Glenn, I promise. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I just wanted to say we do get a lot of people that are happily surprised after the tasting. Um but um, the, in terms of what we're doing for those clients, well, uh, we are... Uh, we are definitely upping the ante on stories around amazing places that you can visit in Scotland. So we're starting to, um, how can I put it? We're definitely cognizant that we need to start travel, uh, talking more about travel um, and the amazing things that you can see and do in Scotland. So we're, we're doing that and we are getting... Um, travel inquiries again now so uh, we just need to balance balance that and then um, and then yeah Michael's doing launching the gin tastings uh, next month and Michael can talk to that yeah just um Glenn as well on your earlier point there that fed into um, Aeneas's um, conversation there about whiskey in general that was one problem that I suppose or challenge that we had in the US initially I think there is an idea somewhat still in the U.S. that whiskey is for some people and not for other people. There's quite almost like a, a clear distinction of I am a whiskey drinker and I am not a whiskey drinker. So with messaging in the U.S., we really had to address that by talking about one, just as Aeneas has outlined, that there is a whiskey for everywhere. Everyone, whiskeys have a, a huge flavor profile that can and fit the, the taste palettes or the palettes of most people. But the secondary, the most important point was to outline that this is not our traditional whiskey tasting where you just sit down and talk about the tasting notes. What's really important for us is the narrative in the glass. It's the story behind the distilleries. So it was through five different whiskeys, you generally travel to five different destinations of Scotland and therefore have five different stories and history and culture and a real kind of taste of Scotland. So although people might see it as a whiskey tasting, it really is a travel um, experience more than, more than anything else. 
Yeah, that's a good point, Michael, because for those of us who know a little something about whiskey, and I'm far from an expert, but I know at least there are different regions uh, within Scotland where whiskeys are produced, and they have very distinctive flavor. For example, you, you have the Speyside whiskeys, you have you know areas where whiskeys are more peated, are more smoky, you have Highland single malts, etc., and, and each different region sort of has its own distinct um, style to the whiskeys that are produced there. And so you can get a sense of traveling around Scotland by tasting different whiskeys and learning about the regions they come from, because <laughs> I could still remember trying my first Laphroaig, and uh, trust me, you don't want to know what my tasting note comment was <laughs> <laughs> about drinking um, what I thought. I, I bought a bottle of Laphroaig that was it was a triple wood, and the description just sounded so delicious. And, and I have to say, and and anyone who's a Laphroaig fan, uh, no offense intended, but to me, it was like drinking dirt. I could have, I felt like I could have gone out in the front yard and dug up a spoonful of dirt and had the same taste. Fortunately, I have a very dear friend who loves Laphroaig, and so I gifted the rest of the bottle to him. Um, but the, but there, the point I guess I'm making somewhat comically, as you're saying, Michael, is there are the different regions of the country where different whiskeys are produced, whiskeys with very different profiles. And by experiencing that, you can, in fact, take a virtual tour around Scotland. Oh, definitely. And that's a, a good point, Glenn, as well. We know now not to gift you any Laphroaig uh, in the future. <laughs> Clearly the wrong way to go. Um, but yeah, it, exactly. It's it's what I've always loved about the tastings that we have, and clearly I'm biased. It's, it's the stories that NAS talks around the whiskeys. So there is focus, obviously, on the spirit itself because it's special and it's complex. But what we're really, what we're really doing with the tastings is we're we're giving people a little slice of Scotland into their homes and a little bit of narrative about each of those regions, um, in in each sip. And as Anais mentioned, we're about to be um, launching gin tastings too. So that is that will be another aim for us, where we've got um, five delicious gins from various regions of Scotland that we're really excited to possibly be introducing to people for the first time and for smaller destinations such as Rassi, which is a small island off the west coast of Scotland that potentially a lot of our clients who are, who are signing up for the tastings will never have heard of. So from two west coast Scottish Highlanders such as Anais and I, that adds a certain level of excitement that we really get to shout about the extraordinary place that we were able to grow up in um, and introduce it to more of the U.S. market. Well, and it's interesting that you're getting into gin tastings um, from the standpoint, as we're discussing, how you can actually take a virtual tour around Scotland um, by visiting the various tasting the, the whiskeys from the different regions. Gin is very much the same. I had a podcast uh, some time ago with uh, the Scottish Gin Society, and the variety of gins now being made in Scotland is just exploding and each one featuring different botanicals from their particular region. So I would think you can sort of take the same format that you're using for your whiskey tastings and apply that to gin because you can very much sample very different gins from very different regions around the country of Scotland. Oh, most definitely. And you, you, what's great about gin is with the botanicals, you really do get a sense of uh, terroir and place because you know and every gin will list the botanicals that they have in them. So 
you almost get a, a, a kind of a real flavor of um, the land around the distillery too, which is, you know, greatly exciting for us, for people who care about both travel and um, the spirits that are coming out of Scotland. Aeneas, you mentioned a moment ago, uh, talking about the, the whiskey tasting you're doing relative to whiskey and tunes. You also, at some point in this process, started a Watch with Whiskey series where you promoted experiencing a particular whiskey or whiskeys with uh, a particular uh, movie about Scotland, a different way to travel to Scotland, obviously, by sitting at home and, and watching movies. Uh, tell me a little bit about how that evolved and, and what success you've seen with that part of your program. Yeah, well, Glenn, that, the idea behind Watch With Whiskey was twofold. Uh, Michael and I were having lots of conversations about, um, you know, favourite Scottish films, favourite um, Scottish albums even, um, and we were kind of just joking about, you know, what would you what would you drink with this movie or what would you drink with this album, etc. And so it again, like uh, like a lot of stuff with uh, Michael and I, we're just chatting rubbish, and then occasionally something will evolve uh, <laughs> from that. Um, so yeah, so we came up kind of with uh, four fantastic Scottish films, like Scottish films that that we love. Um, uh, so it was Local Hero was the first one, which oh, is of course. If I, if I had to choose a favourite Scottish film, if I was forced to, I think it would be Local Hero. So Local Hero, Whiskey Galore, uh, uh, Braveheart, obviously, and um, and then uh, Thunderball because of uh, Sir Sean Connery, and and yeah, and then we it, it was an idea that evolved, and then we also wanted something that people could, without having to, you know, turn up at. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern for a tasting. We wanted people to be able to pick and choose when they watched it. You know, they're relaxed on a Sunday afternoon and they want to watch um, Thunderball or something like that. So they could do it in their own time. Um, so it was an evolution of the whiskey tasting and one where you could just relax and, and you know, pause the film at any point or, you know, just, just do it in your own time. Uh, whenever you want so but we find that some people were buying a few of these tasting sets and then they would watch the movie together uh, but whether they were you know connecting virtually while watching it or whether it was the family bubble and um and they were they were watching it together so yeah so we had great feedback and um and it was also a great uh gift over the holiday season and so they sold out except for Braveheart. We still got Braveheart and we're relaunching Local Hero um, next month. So we're getting stock back in for Local Hero. So that'll be great. I just got an email yesterday. I The, the email is the worst kind of email for somebody who's client facing like myself and always priding myself on happy customers. And it just started with, I'm very disappointed. And I was like, oh no, oh, what's no. happening? Um, it was, I'm very disappointed because Braveheart is, uh, sorry, Local Hero is sold out on your Watch With Whiskey website. So it's like, don't worry, just wait a couple more weeks and uh, we will have restocked. So. Well, I'm, I'm very disappointed because you didn't mention a favorite of mine, and that is The Angel Share. Yes, and it's such a good film as well. Yeah. We actually, it's almost more difficult to 
it sounds it sounds weird, but it's almost more difficult to pair whiskies with a film that's about whiskey because they are because you're trying to find whiskies that go with the story. But yeah, Angel Share is such a great film as well. And I have to say thanks very much to Michael because he did most of, he did most of the research. So he was sat there in front of Braveheart. I don't know how many times he had to watch Braveheart <laughs> <laughs> and rewind and um, and then press play again and uh, write the notes etc. about the movie. So yeah, so it was good. It was a team effort, hundred percent. Nothing quite as uh, as dangerous as a. Scottish man full of whiskey after watching Braveheart for the ninth time of the day with nowhere to go <laughs> in a pandemic. Yeah. Think, uh, yeah, it's not good yeah, to go running down the street shouting freedom just as loud as you can. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, your business pivot, the online whiskey tastings, clearly we're getting a sense that they've been very successful, uh, but not just from your clientele. A little chance for you to toot your horn. You've actually won an award for your whiskey tastings best whiskey experience tell me a little something about that award yeah so this was in um um it was a scottish enterprise awards um so we were we were nominated um anonymously uh, by a few people that experienced the tastings i did so that i was... did that just just so you know oh thanks Glenn. we'll send you a frog to say thank okay. you <laughs> Touche. If you don't want, if you don't want the Lafroy Glen, you can just send it over to me. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> no, we'll send you some. Uh, we'll send you some lovely fruity space sites. There you um, go. But uh, but yeah, no, we were. It, it was. Uh, we were notified that we were in the running for the award, and that we'd been nominated. Um, and uh, and then yeah, so when so when we won the award of um, best whiskey tasting experience of 2020, uh, yeah, it was amazing. We 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 were so um, yeah, it was just it was just kind of incredible because we both worked so hard on it and spent a lot of time on it, mostly because we had nothing else to do. In all honesty, <laughs> um, but uh, but um, yeah, no, it was uh, it was. Um, it felt it felt really good that people appreciated the tastings and went to the trouble to nominate us and vote for us. So it's great. Your original business model, obviously, you had developed relationships and partnerships with, I'm sure, with with various venues, castles, hotels, restaurants, golf clubs, tour operators, et cetera, et cetera. So the type of people you would have to have connections with to arrange the travel experiences that you did. This pivot to online has obviously been beneficial to you and clearly to the bar you're working with who's providing the whiskey for the whiskey tastings. Has it also been helpful in any way to the venues that you used to work with? Our business partners, you know, the restaurants, etc., the chauffeurs, um, the hotels, it has been tough for them. So we have, you know, uh, been sharing emails or calls wherever possible to to just stay close and keep chatting. The one, um, some restaurants have been doing high-end takeaway in their local areas and that's been very successful for some of them or for all of them that actually um, went into it so that's been heartening to see and uh, we were able to get uh, to work together 
with the Travel and Leisure magazine. And we had a small window of opportunity last summer um, to get a journalist from Travel and Leisure uh, based in the UK to travel around Isle of Skye, Isle of Lewis and Isle of Harris. And we used that opportunity to highlight some of our favorite um, providers and partners, travel partners in those areas um, in the hope that travel and leisure would be able to highlight them and give them a boost as well. Not just a, an economic boost, but a boost in terms of uh, being part of something. And so in March uh, this year, uh, travel and leisure came out with this beautiful story um, and it highlighted some amazing travel partners, restaurants and hotels that we work with in that part of the country. So that was good as well to to be able to highlight people, to help highlight people that we're incredibly proud to work with. We are hopefully seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccine rollout and we're seeing restrictions eased around the world in various countries. Um, I'm, I'm now proudly completely vaccinated, so I'm excited to be hopefully be able to travel before this year is out. When international travel does rebound, will you pivot back to your original business plan or will the online experience be integrated into the business? Will there be a different looking away from the ordinary that will emerge from the pandemic than perhaps the one that went into the pandemic? So a great question, Glenn. And uh, we are still working on the travel side. Um, you know, we're working with clients that are now wanting to plan for the very end of 2021 or more likely 2022. So we're actively working with them. Um, people, you know, travel isn't just about going somewhere. It's about the anticipation before you travel and something to look forward to. Then it's the travel itself. And then it's the memories that you have uh, after the travel experience. So a lot of people need something to look forward to. So we're actively working on the travel side right now. Um, and we are in the last three weeks alone, we've seen a huge uptick in interest and inquiries about travel. Um, and originally, I thought the business was like a seesaw. So if you imagine with the whiskey tastings being popular, that's the side of the seesaw we're working on. And because that's uh, at the moment that is virtual, as soon as travel comes back on, nobody will want to do <laughs> virtual events. But at the moment, both sides of the business are busy, which is great. Um, we just have to, to um, we're actually going to start hiring um, to cope with the demand. So that's, uh, we're very lucky to be in that position. But um but we will continue to offer the virtual tastings as long as there's demand for it. Yes, it will be a new part of our business. You're both Scottish and in the travel business, uh, both online and um, in reality. So the obvious question, I think, is whether you can travel online or travel in person. Why should Scotland be on someone's travel itinerary? I mean, very simply, you know, Michael and I'll give a very 110% biased opinion, but uh, so don't listen to us, but it's, <laughs> don't listen to us at all. Um, but it's, 
it's the people that travel to Scotland and they come back and they have, you know, we obviously cater to people that have Scottish heritage 100% and they want to go and visit where they were from or their grandparents were from, etc. And um, but we get so many travellers that they, you know, uh, next year it's Italy, year after it's Japan, year after it's Scotland. It's just one of the kind of places they want to go to. But those people that have no ancestral connection to Scotland and they come back from their trip and they say, I had a connection with your country. It's so powerful and it happens a lot. And those people, they were then going to go to the other countries on their bucket list. But two or three years later, they'll come back to Scotland and they won't necessarily go back to the other countries because they found this connection with Scotland, whether it's with the with the um, beautiful scenery, whether it's with the people, whether it's um, just uh, some sort of experience. Um, so so listen to those people. Um, and, you know, it, it, I... I'm biased. I love Scotland. I think it's amazing. Um, but that bias is reinforced by the people that that find a connection to the country and to the people. And Michael, you're 110% biased opinion? <laughs> I've always loved Australia for holidays. I think that's it. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I, I don't think I can... Um, I can really add much to what Aeneas was saying, having been living here in, a, in America and just been surrounded by people who have traveled to Scotland. Um, it's the intangible. It's this feeling of connection to the land, the culture, the people, the produce. You don't believe it until you hear it over and over again. And it's such a wonderful point of pride, such a fantastic thing to hear about your country. But people really don't just go in vacation in Scotland. They don't just go and experience it. They go and fall in love with it. My thanks to my guests, Aeneas O'Hara and Michael McCoush of Away From The Ordinary. For more information on how you can take part in one of their online whiskey or coming soon gin tastings, just check the links in our show notes on the website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And if like so many of us, you're beginning to look hopefully to the future when international travel might again be possible, well, you can also check those links to find more on the unique travel services offered by Away From The Ordinary. For Scots worldwide, and especially here in the U.S., Tartan Day will soon be upon us. April the 6th is the official date, and a number of Scottish organizations are planning online celebrations. You can always get in the spirit of things by checking out the several archived episodes we've done on the subject of tartan, including, not so long ago, our behind-the-scenes look at the Scottish Tartans Museum in North Carolina, and our chat with Anna White of Scotland Shop, purveyor of fine Scottish clothing, accessories, and home furnishings. Plus, we hope to have a brand new episode to release for you on Tartan Day, so stay tuned. Until next time... I'm Glenn Moyer. Tapalev, I guess Alpa Cabra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. Have an idea for a future episode? 
or get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore tartansky. That's the underscore symbol, tartansky. And thank you for listening.